0: Kingway fox beer lock is acting very weird, Captain Pike, Crystal's wife, Klingons and the afterlife. Boy, lured, Tendy's dog, ransom is very harsh, four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk.
1: Beecher, Batless, Edward is an idiot. Fockets dead, Wolf is
2: check Chekhov's wearing red? is cat,
1: can packs hat. Q, is that enough of that? Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go! We, we talk about, about the series. You can join us live by picking up your phone now. We talk about the series. We're coming to New Orleans with streaming services now. We talk about the series.
3: Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, April 13th, 2023, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. And that means it's time for Trek Talking. Welcome to episode 525. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and tonight we're going to be talking about Star Trek Picard Part 8, Surrender. That would be last week's episode. And before we dive right in and get into the meat and potatoes, and I'm not talking about you, Leslie, I want to go around and introduce you guys to my awesome Trek experts. And we'll start out with our very own David, the donut guy. Uh, Did you bring your donuts tonight, David?
0: No, but meat and potatoes sounds really good right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, potatoes are pretty good, actually. Depends on how you have the potatoes. Like them baked, mashed, boiled, you know, tots, and french
4: fries.
3: Yeah, they do have a peel, though.
4: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh,
3: yeah. and uh, we also have with us the toy guy. How you doing tonight, Paul?
5: You know, Jim, I have slaughtered countless enemies over the years and considered sending their heads to all of you, but but I was advised that was passive-aggressive, so all things considered, I'm doing well. But well, beheadings
3: are on Wednesdays, and today is Thursday. I,
5: I know. I almost missed one this week, so you know, there you go, man. I'm doing good. It's good to be here. It's going to be fun, and uh,
3: lastly,
2: but definitely not least,
3: hailing from Portland as well, we have our very own Eric. How are you doing tonight,
2: Eric? Well, I'm doing pretty good, Jim, and I hope when they kill me, I'll be able to give you at least one last dose of the old Eric charm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
3: sure, I'm sure that you could are, – are you, are you leaving? Are you
2: planning on leaving? No, 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 no. I'm just saying, man, when I go, I want that last moment to, like, just, you know, the parting line, the parting glass, the thing that really uh, cements whatever my legacy will be. Clean I know you are all there to
3: see it. Prepare for ramming speed. Today is a good <laughs> date.
2: <laughs> yeah, that oh. kind of thing. That's what I'm talking about.
5: That's he wants thing. to leave a thorn in your paw that can never be removed.
2: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's
3: sweet, Paul. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
5: It'll just fester and puff,
3: and
2: I'll just think oh. of you as a two- Yeah, oh, I a would thing. love to leave that kind of lasting impression.
3: That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, and not from Portland, we have our very own Charles, who's out in Las Vegas. How are you doing, Charles?
6: I'm doing good. Your friendly Vulcan is in a good mood, and he's not pissed today. Wow. confused, but <laughs> The weather might be confused, but I'm doing all right.
3: You, you know, we were talking before the show, and I, this might be the first time ever, but it's actually hotter here in Vermont than it is in Las Vegas. It's 84 here right now while we're doing the podcast. I've actually got the air conditioning on right now. And Charles, what's the temperature in Vegas?
1: It's
6: currently a mild 78. Wow. How about that? Figure that. But uh, to give you an idea, the roller coaster, yeah, I was complaining about it being cold last Thursday. Um, Monday... We got our first 80 degree day.
4: Tuesday we
6: got our first 90 degree day. Then we went back to the 80s on Wednesday and dropped the 70s of today.
3: Wow. Wow, wow, and ride that
2: train, baby. Ride that train. (laughs) That's a roller coaster.
3: Just enjoy it while you can, right? i'll
2: say it's a very it's a very pleasant 55 and finally feeling like spring here in portland not to talk about the weather uh ad nauseum but it's pretty nice here yeah it's,
3: it's it's very nice here too and camp opens up in you know just about three weeks so i might be doing my podcast sitting on the deck of my camper before you know it um at any rate so now that we've gone around and we've heard from everybody from all the corners of the United States, it's time to dive in to some truck talking. But first, you guys have an opportunity to win an awesome copy of Strange New Worlds Season 1. And here's an awesome promo that our very own Eric put together for us. If I can find it, there it is.
2: Season 1 of Star Trek Strange New Worlds is now on Blu-ray, DVD, and limited edition Blu-ray steelbook. Experience every episode like never before with over 100 minutes of special features, including exclusive cast and crew interviews, a gag reel, deleted scenes, and more. Own the Emmy-nominated first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds from CBS and Paramount Home Entertainment today. Limited edition 4K UHD Steelbook, available for pre-order now. And,
3: Eric, if our fans that are listening right now, or even if they're listening on Wednesday or Saturday, or maybe they're in Yugoslavia, it doesn't matter, if you're listening to this, and you want to win a copy of Strange New World Season 1 on Blu-ray, how would they do it, Eric?
2: Well, Jim, there's only one way. You have to have Internet access, and if you have Internet access, you can go to our website, which is trektalking.com, and we have a way for you to record a little message to us on that website. It's down in the corner. looks like a little microphone. You press that button. You leave us a message. tell us who you are, where you're from, and why we should send you this awesome gift for free. Um, it's kind of one of those things that I wish I could win, but, you know, we can't. So <laughs> your benefit, man, uh, all you got to do is record us a message, just do it. And you will be sent this by Jim and the podcast and with our thanks for being uh, a staunch supporter of us here at TrackTalking.com. It's,
3: it's very, very easy, very easy. Or, or maybe you're listening to us live and you don't want to go to TrackTalking.com, which is an awesome might add. But if you don't want to go there... You can always let your fingers do the walk-in. And call Trek Talking right now. 688-2433 and pick up a copy that way, too. two ways you can go about it. And uh, it's, a, it's a great season. It's a great series. And you should definitely add it to your And speaking of great things that are a lot of fun, next month uh, there's going to be this awesome convention going on in Long Island, Trek Long Island and Trek Talking. Yours truly, Uncle Jim, is going to be there. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, of course, I have a promo for that as well. We keep Eric very busy around here. So uh, here's a Trek Long Island promo, which, again, are together for
2: Trek Talking would like to invite you to attend Trek Long Island at the Hyatt Regency Long Island Hotel in beautiful Hop-Hog, New York on May 20th and 21st, 2023. Trek Long Island will have a variety of guests, ranging from the original series to Discovery, Picard, Strange New Worlds, and beyond. Doug Jones, David Ajala, Oded Faire, Franz Nguyen, Issa Briones, Evan Evagora, Raven Douda, Sandy Gimple, Tanya Lamani, and Fumsil Satoli are just a few of the guests currently scheduled more to come. Enjoy interacting with celebrities at guest panels or snag a photo op or autograph from your favorite actor. Craving the real stuff? Sit in on science panels with real scientists from NASA and accredited professionals in a variety of scientific fields. Or take in a panel where we discuss how Trek's influence on diversity and inclusion has affected Trek fans and the rest of real world. Love podcasts? We do too. Beat the people behind the voices from Trek Talking, The Sci-Fi Sisters, Strange New Pod, Women at Warp, Roy's Tie-Dye Sci-Fi Corner, and more. Don't forget to visit the vendor room, where you will find exhibitors and authors, and where you can pick up an exclusive offering from Mego Toys. Purchase a general admission ticket or upgrade to the Q-Pass which offers you preferred seating, early access admission to a VIP dinner and show with actress Bonnie Gordon, and more. Trek Long Island is a family-friendly event with many programs and activities, so bring the little tribbles with you. Let's beam Trek back to the East Coast with a bang. Just visit treklongisland.com for updates and to buy your tickets. We will see you out there. Engage.
3: Make
5: it so.
2: And so,
3: Paul, if our fans want to find out more information, what's the easiest way for them to do
5: so? Well, what I'd recommend doing is finding some kind of a small animal, uh, bringing it in the backyard and uh, conjuring up some kind of uh, netherworld demon uh, that may or may not request blood from a sacrifice and say the words out loud, Trek talking Barada Nicto.
1: Check talking
5: Barada Nicto. Ideally, while the blood and entrails are mixing together, and if you can time it right, there should be some kind of a bolt of lightning striking. I mean, this is, you know, if you really know what you're doing. You're probably not going to get all that the first time you're doing it, right? So you might want to practice. If you need a little gentler way of doing it, if your wife belongs to PETA or whatever, then just go inside and get on the laptop and do trytalking.com, okay? Either one of those ways is fine. I like the first way because it's a little bit more, you know, attention-getting, and I'm really in this for the attention. So that's that's
0: all I got you. Get a pen and paper to write all this down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. That was
6: amazing. <laughs> that was
1: amazing.
5: Yeah. Uh, <coughs> well, the things you learn on the radio, right?
1: <laughs>
5: we are an educational program, Jim. You keep telling me that.
2: So. The so secret this is life this is... of uh, podcast DJs.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
3: we're, wait till I talk to Roy from Roy's Sci-Fi, Die, Die, Sci-Fi, Die, Fi, well,
1: My God, you better better
2: get that down, Jim. Like, seriously.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, I I will be on stage on Sunday interviewing Bonnie Gordon, who is the voice of uh, Star Trek Prodigy. So, um, of the Proto-Star. So that's going to be a lot of fun. You guys can check that out on Sunday. I think it's at one o'clock on Sunday in Ballroom C, and you'll find me up there on the stage with Bonnie Gordon. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm trying to get her to come on the podcast and chat with us. So that's that's my goal. I want to get her on the podcast, chat with you guys. So, anyways, well, that's all the all the news for now. It's time to dive right into the fun stuff. Uh, but first, you guys, you want to want to take a caller. I talk to a fan? Oh, yeah,
0: for sure. sure. An
3: actual and who d- called our phone number. All right. If I can get this thing to work. Good evening. Thank you for calling Truck Talk. And what's your name and where you're calling us from
4: tonight? Kablam, my brother. It's brother Ray. Ray. Hey. What's Ray. Ray. Yeah. hey. Congratulations. What's on, Yo, I'm on spring break right by now. I'm going to be working until April 17th. And I'm Jones. I'm sorry, so I've been gone for a minute. You know what I'm saying? I want to i I'm, I'm you know, I want to, you know, now I'm I'm I mean not as bad, but you know what I'm saying? You don't say happy more, you know what I'm saying, but you know what I'm saying I just miss you guys. So right now I see myself, let me call you out and make sure you guys is okay. Uh, oh, how yeah.
1: was
4: your fiftieth birthday, right? Yo. i'm uh, 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 let me just um I, I'm going to say, I know the a radio, but I'm sure this. At least I'm not dealing with no green Orion women. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: true. True, true, true. <laughs> I'm not dealing with no green uh, Orion women. You know what I'm saying? I can't find none of them in New York City. You know what I'm saying? But You know what I'm saying? But it's kind of hard to find. You know what I'm saying? But anyway. <laughs> well, <it won't laughs> say, I, 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 I'm sure there were some green women running around somewhere. What do you expect? Okay, okay, okay. We right now. out here in the Bronx is eighty-one degrees. Every everybody walking around. I live at, the shorts are playing basketball. You know what I'm saying? Playing skeletons. You know I cannot be. I saw that sort of happening. Wow. Yo, oh, summer, I'm dead. Summer dead. Wow. Yo, I am dead serious. You know, I was saying I'm, I, city, sure I, I, I I came out say to make you I I going to go back to like about another hour so I come back came and says, you know what I'm saying, I was, I was thinking about you guys, I just doing a want call and say I'm okay, I'm alright. And you know what I'm saying? I know baseball just started or oh, hell gonna break it loose. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying you know what I'm saying? It's, too, it's too early season, but you know what I'm saying, At the end of the day, yo, I keep saying myself, let's see what happens. But like I said, everything is fine with me. I I, I I'm cool. My family, my wife, everybody's fine. Uh, Have yeah, you had yeah. a chance to catch a Yankees game
3: yet? Have you been over to the stadium?
4: Um, yes, the other day. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. Actually, no. Um, no. Actually, it was the first opening day. The first opening day, I I went in there, right? And I I couldn't get in. I couldn't get in because yo yo know, it was so yo know, it was so packed. I could I can't get in that joint. You know what I'm saying? So I like, you know so I had to I had to wait. Wow. Shoot. Shoot. Do you need that settlement? I don't want to have the mental open day, you know, something like that. But you know what I'm saying? But anyway, anyway, it was a beautiful week. Uh, I've been on since April 6th, right from school, and I'm going back to work on the 17th. So right now, right now today is Thursday. I am joined. i took got a few more days left, left before I go back to school. And I'm enjoying every minute of
3: it. Wow, and you you do that, right? It sounds it sounds really nice. And you you know um, the Yankees. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens um, with well, the you Yankees. Know, the
2: Yankees would have a good record right now if it wasn't for the Tampa Bay Rays, who have gone 13 and 0 in the AL East, which is ridiculous.
1: This, yo, True. you saw that? Yo, yeah, dude. That? I.
2: Well, I'm a Red Sox fan, and so I'm crying because we're number five right now. But, yeah, seeing the Rays burn through people like hot butter right now is unbelievable.
4: I cannot believe that. You know what I'm saying? You no know one's dope. You no know one's dope. You just get the Timber Rays, like I say, They just start up, like I, said. I Always say the same every year. When every major League baseball team comes out right like this, you know what I'm saying? They turn to turn, 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 have, a, have, a, have a new squad. And you know for a minute, including the Mets. It always had that perfect thing all the way here to your starter. Now, if you went to run about I say I I say I'm not thinking about June, July, August. Because you we're gonna see what from that point.
2: Mhm. Yeah, That's- no, it's so true, and we're not even we're not even ten percent of the way through the season yet, so it's too early to tell one way or another.
4: Yeah. Okay, yeah, guys, one more thing. Okay, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got one more one thing. I'm gonna give you a, a movie trivia. Okay. Now, I'm watching this clip right by now, I haven't seen since hour thirteen. I'ma give you I'm, I'm 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 gonna give you this. Viewer viewer if you were here. Yeah, yeah. Very, 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 very day off. I'm watching it right yeah, now. Absolutely. You'll are you are you are That's why a I'm doing classic, you know, I am gonna cut it, you all doing will don't cut it. I was gonna cut it mean I I, I was last night, right? I uh, saw, so, uh, I mean, I mean, I, you remember Vice Squad?
1: I haven't seen uh, that in a Yeah.
4: You remember Vice Squad? Well, okay. 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 Now, okay. now you remember Skip New York, right? Uh, John Carver took New York. Right? Remember that girl was they took chasing men at, you know, men at that, um, that coffee shop? That lady? And then, and that's the thing. Uh, you know, the single who did a vice as, as like you know, as uh, a vice club, you know, a vice club, a hooker like this. and Everybody trying to kill him.
1: Yeah.
4: I know it's old, but uh, yeah, You know me, man. You know, I'm a class, you, know, you know, you know me. I'm a kind you know, I'm 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 kind you. I'm I'm a but I still watch Married children still.
2: Wow. <laughs> That's a good show. Oh. Yeah. a funny show. I mean, I will
4: admit that is what, Bundy, you can uh, No, way, yes. <laughs> but if <anyway>, guys, <laughs> let me go outside and finish this night right there because right, right now, don't ask me why, but somebody on the party, party is barbecue right now. And it's too early for barbecue right now. So I'm going outside to do, do the barbecue. Quick, uh, guys, next week right now. You know what I'm saying?
2: It's amazing. It's barbecue weather.
4: Barbecue time it is now? Dude, we're in April. We ain't throwing barbecue around on May. We, I mean, we're, we're in, 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 in April. You know that I means they ain't playing today. They tonight. They to won't do the thing. They ain't playing.
3: Well, you know what, Ray? You can always go. You can always go to the boardwalk at Coney Island. Stop at Nathan's and get yourself a nice chili dog with cheese
4: I already did and that. some fries. I've been did that Monday. Um, oh, Monday I, did I do that. that Monday. Day. <laughs> Oh okay. no! Yeah, I did, I did. I did that Monday because you no know why? Because a friend of my job, he some uh He comes give me, me money, my yo go call out. I did not day, I got to like ten o'clock. We went down. We done. Got, go. got my chain doors all right. Trust me. For my next step, I gotta wait like another week or so. I'm gonna go to Philly to get my original Philly cheesesteaks. I love my there. in Philadelphia.
3: Now that sounds good.
4: In Philadelphia. the only problem is is that this is. Um, the penals. they told me this shit's got more hotter. I said, you guys, you know what? I can deal with it.
3: Oh, I'm sure that you can.
4: You're a oh, man, yes, right? Yes, I did. <laughs> so that's it, guys. Let me get going. You guys have, have a good night. Everything else. God bless you and do your show. 525, right? I'm happy for you guys. You have a good episode. Enjoy the night. I'll call you guys next week. You don't know have a chance, but you're saying, God bless you. And like I said before, kapla.
1: Kapla.
3: Have a good night, Ray. Ka-plah. Thanks, man. All right, guys. All right. Take care. That was Ray. Ray from the Bronx. He's a, he's a regular. He's a Yankee fan. And we'll see what happens when the Yankees and Mets meet up. So, guys, it is time for our fan shout-outs. That's right. Our fan shout-outs. Every week, we go around and you go to our Facebook page. And uh, tell us where you're listening from. If you find a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, then you want to tune in because you're going to be featured on a fan shout-out. And, Eric, you want to get us started with our fan shout-outs this week?
2: Uh, there's nothing I'd like better, Jim. I'd like to first shout-out this week our very toppest of the fans, Elonka Liska from Jülich, Germany. So nice to hear from you, Elonka. So nice of a country you have there. I haven't done much research on you. Like I'll have to look it up. I uh, don't know too much about it. But uh, I know I want to come there one of these days and explore my own German roots. So thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Also saying hello and sending out a big Live Long and Prosper this week to Mara Goncalves from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, another one of those countries that we have a ton of support from, which is so cool. She's 62 and started watching about 1969 and still do Mara. That's so cool. Uh, I'm not quite that old, but man, if I was, I would have hoped that I would have been watching at that time as well. So thank you so much for saying hello all the way from Brazil. Also saying hello this week to Hugh Thompson, who's given us a live long and prosper from sunny Northern Ireland. Thank you, Hugh, so much for saying hello to us. And we really do appreciate your support as well. And my final fan shout out goes out this week to Anne Graham saying hello to us from Down Under in Sydney, Australia. Ah, Man, you have some cool architecture, some cool landscapes, some cool water, all kinds of cool things down there in Australia. Anne Graham. Thank you so much for supporting our podcast, and I know that Charles wants to bring it back stateside and say hello to some people in the Northeast, don't you? Yes, I definitely do.
6: I know I'm going to su- su- uh, apologize to this person already, but you Hart from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Interesting print spelling on that one, but welcome. Glenn Robinson from Northeast Indiana. A welcome to Randy Reinhardt. I'm like Jim Kirk. I'm from Iowa. I only work in space.
3: Classic line. Classic line. And Rob
6: F. From Northern Manitoba, Canada. Not sure where that is. Maybe that's up near our uh, Canadian friend. But onward and forward, David. Who's on your list?
0: Yeah, I'd like to take it up to my hometown. State is welcoming uh, David Boucher from Lakeville, Minnesota, USA. Just a little suburb off of my main city um also uh, another welcome to uh chris m smith from tacoma washington
2: thank you very much
0: uh so i would also like to mention a top fan um chuck Matheny from granger Indianapolis, and another top fan for linda m carr sweet from sweet home alabama thank you all for listening and paul who's on your list
5: all right, man. we got all kinds of great folks here this week that are chiming in. First of all, we are going to bend the compass needle and head over to Basel, Switzerland on the Rhine. And we're going to say hello to Sibyl Hugi in uh, Switzerland there. Phenomenal part of the world. uh Sibyl's greeting us with many fabulous emojis, including the uh, Live Long and Prosper sign there. So very, very cool. Uh, A little bit of a journey to our next place. Um, I was actually not too far away from here uh, relatively recently uh, in uh, gorgeous uh, Nicaragua. Uh, Abby Steinmetz-Burke is a fan who's saying hello. Abby, thanks for listening to the program and for keeping up with us and expressing your enthusiasm for all things Star Trek. Now we're going to spin over to uh, France this time in the southwestern corner of France. It is top fan Lee Zaps, wishing us a hearty, live long, and prosper. Fantastic to hear from you, Lee. And I'm super excited to be able to say hello and Pura Vida to our next fan, Cesar Alfaro, who is reaching out to us from gorgeous Costa Rica, where I was lucky enough to spend about a week and a half or a couple weeks ago down there, and Cesar, you live in a spectacular part of the world, my friend. Uh, Cesar says that Costa Rica is like today's version of Risa, (laughs) minus the weather control. And I know you do get some pretty uh, phenomenal weather down there, and when it rains, it really rains. (laughs) The rainy season is coming. So to Cesar, Lee, Abby, and Sibyl, thank you all for expressing your fondness for this uh, podcast, and to all the things that help unite us as a planet, courtesy of Star Trek. Jim?
3: Well, i like to say ka and welcome to top fan Thomas Stoker, who's listening to us in Tampa, Florida. We also want to say thank you to Bertha Bashor, who says she's originally from Massachusetts, but now lives in North Carolina. Love, 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 love it here. So I I think I think that Bertha loves it there, perhaps. We also want to say thank you to Chris Korf, who's from Cleveland where Jimi Hendrix met Leonard Nimoy in nineteen sixty eight. I'm not familiar with that story. Does
2: anyone
5: know the particulars of that story? That sounds like it would make a great stage play, wouldn't it? Like a like a one act play. Can you imagine? That'd be amazing! That?
2: Yeah. Oh my gosh! Hendrix yeah.
5: me like in a bus station or wherever it would be though. But I mean, it's you got to be it's when the show was on, right? So it's probably like a TV station or something like that. Like maybe they're on a panel, but we should look that up, man. That'd be a great play. I would. I'd pay to see that. I mean, imagine those two perspectives interacting. That's so
3: cool, Sounds Chris.
2: Like,
5: like a Twilight Zone episode, you know? Yeah,
2: <laughs> except real. <though. laughs> except for
5: real. Yeah. Dude, I'm, I'm believing that life is a Twilight Zone episode. Uh, it really is.
1: Well, you know, it is what you know make
5: of it. So,
3: anyways, and I'm not talking about the red door on Star Trek. I'm talking about the door, that door, right there, that door. Anyways, and last but not least on my list, we'd like to say thank you to Nick Senza, who says he's born in San Francisco, but currently living in Balmy, Bismarck, North Dakota. And that wraps up our fan shout-outs for this week. Guys, if you'd like to hear your name mentioned on a fan shout-out, head over to our Facebook page and just tell us where you're from. You'll see the Live Long and Prosper post pin right to the top and look for a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim. And now we get to a really fun part of the show because this is a part of the show where we get to revisit 56 years of, 57 years of Star Trek history we get to pull all kinds of characters and episodes out blow off the dust and remember them and uh we always like to start off with those members of our star trek family who sadly enough are no longer with us but before we can do that we've got to do this
1: (laughs)
4: Was not a
3: pull-on song. Okay, Eric. So we're going to start off by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. So uh, we want to get us started, Eric.
2: Yeah, Jim. Um, this week we have six members of our Star Trek community who we are remembering. The very first is actor Stanley Adams. Born April seventh, just last week, uh, who of course uh, had three different ways that he touched the Star Trek world. In 1967, he played Sereno Jones in the original series second season episode "The Trouble with Tribbles." He also co-wrote the third season episode "The Mark of Gideon," and then eventually went on to provide his voice in the animated series first season episode. More Tribbles, More Troubles, of course, reprising that Cyrno Jones role. Um, He was born in New York City and did many films during the 1930s, but primarily made a career of theater. Um, this was after he served in World War II, uh, where he was a staff sergeant in the U.S. Army Corps of Eng- uh, Army Corps. <laughs> Excuse me, I work with the Army Corps of Engineers quite a bit. Um, his acting career uh, resumed after the war uh, when he was in the 1951 film version of Death of a Salesman," that uh, he had played the same role back in his theater days. Uh, And that was a great film adaptation of that. And then he went on to do a lot of other films, including North by Northwest, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, Lilies of the Field, uh, and Stanley Kramer's 1965 drama Ship of Fools. Um, He worked throughout the 70s and unfortunately eventually suffered a back injury that rendered him unemployable. But what a great legacy of theater, film, and television that Stanley leaves behind. So... Uh, We do miss you, Stanley. Thank you for giving us tribbles, and uh, happy birthday to you. Also, happy birthday this week to Anthony Caruso, who played Bella (laughs) Ockman in the TOS second season episode, A Piece of the Action. Um, If you are looking for a guy to look like a rough mobster, this is one of your choices uh, (laughs) for more than three decades um, Hollywood actually defaulted to a very small group of actors when it came to mobsters, gamblers, and racketeers. And Caruso was one of those guys. He looked, you know, menacing enough and uh, was used in countless film and television episodes uh, beginning in 1941. Uh, in 1934 is uh, when he first decided to go into acting. He originally really wanted to be an opera singer, which I think is fascinating, uh, but then eventually took up acting instead and uh, was featured in, of course, many, many, many films, uh, most notably maybe 1940s Johnny Apollo, 1950s The Asphalt Jungle. Uh, but honestly, to get through his list of credentials, uh, I was scrolling through IMDb, and it takes like seven to eight spins of the mouse wheels. So it is many, many credits, <laughs> way too many for me to go through. Um, and in stark contrast to his screen image, Caruso was actually... The consummate family man in private, uh, he was happily married for 63 years and enjoyed gardening and cooking. So, Anthony Caruso lost 20 years ago, back in 2003, at aged 86. Uh, happy birthday to you, sir! Happy birthday and remembrance is also going out this week to Arthur Ban- uh, Batanides, uh, who played, of course, Lieutenant Damato in the third season episode. That which survives, that's TOS. Uh, he's the guy who died rather badly by cellular disruption. Yeah, you, know, you probably remember. A blue shirt who, who takes it on the chin pretty hard. <laughs> um, he got into acting uh, way back in the day, uh, doing stand-up routines in front of fellow GIs during World War II. And then eventually kind of came out of the war, became this... Uh, all purpose actor that was featured in a few different um you know, non credited roles uh and then eventually made tons and tons of television appearances. Happy Days, Odd Couple, Outer Limits. Um he was and then he had kind of a thing for a couple of epics. He was in uh the nineteen fifty six biblical epic The Ten Commandments and in nineteen sixties Spartacus talk about a resume. Um it's pretty cool. Lots of other henchmen that he played in several episodes of like Twilight Zone and other uh, television shows like that um, actually died on the same day as John Newland, who actually was the director for Errand of Mercy. Uh, so Arthur Batanidas, happy birthday to you! Would have been uh, would have had a birthday on happy birthday as well to Lee Berger. <laughs> Uh, who was an actor that played the ex uh, Excalibur's recreation of Abraham Lincoln in the original series, third season episode, The Savage Curtain, six foot one and a half inches tall, a World War II veteran. Uh, he was in charge of entertainment services for soldiers serving in North Africa at that time. Uh, also, probably best known for his portrayal of Joseph Arlington Anders on the television series dynasty from 1981 to 1983, also appearing in another major soap Falcon crest and making a name for himself there. But really another guy whose resume you look at uh, more than 200 television appearances uh, from the Munsters and Adams family to mission impossible to the love boat, murder, she wrote all over the place. So Lee Berger, Quite a prolific and uh, good actor. Obviously, you don't get that much work unless you know what you're doing. So, uh, happy birthday to you, sir! Would have been uh, would have had a birthday on April 10th. Happy birthday! And guys, I gotta but, tell you, yeah, go ahead. speaking, speaking of
3: Abraham Lincoln, he <laughs> wore that black top hat, right? Everyone's familiar yep. with the hat. Well, down in Arlington, Vermont, at Todd Lincoln's mansion. You can actually, if you're in Vermont, you happen to be in Vermont, you can go to Todd Lincoln's cab, or mansion, and they have Abe Lincoln's hat there on display. Um, he, he tore it around and stopped there. He spent one night there and left his hat there with, <laughs> with And they have the hat on display, and you can actually go there and see the actual hat that Abe Lincoln wore, which is pretty cool. So I just wanna throw that out there. All right. That's well, cool.
2: that's... <laughs> yeah, absolutely no, that's really cool. Uh happy birthday as well this week. Uh April twelfth would have been his birthday to Charles Lewis Napier.
1: Uh Yeah. <laughs> talk about
2: another like quintessential face that you've seen all over the place. Um, he made his mark in Star Trek twice. Uh the first uh was way back in the original series days playing Adam in uh, that third season episode, The Way to Eden, and then later played Denning in Deep Space Nine's fourth season episode, Little Green Men. That's the one where the Ferengi go back in time, and he's the, he's the army general back then. Speaking of army, after graduating high school, Charles Napier enlisted in the army in 1954, eventually became an E-5, uh, which is, you know, I think what is that Charles? It's like an unenlisted sergeant kind of rank. Yeah. Um you're sort of commanding other other folks. Yeah. 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 was I commanding a
1: petty officer,
6: but that's navy.
2: Yeah, this is army and he was in command of an airborne infantry at that time. Um Interesting fact: That episode of Star Trek that he did during TOS was right at the beginning of his career. He had just a couple of uncredited roles prior to that, so that he was really kind of new to acting at that time. And and he not only provided the acting, but he actually wrote those songs that he played in The Way to Eden, uh, together with Craig Robertson and Arthur Heineman. Um, those latter Amazing. two uh, doing those lyrics, but he did all the music, which I think, and he sang all his own. Uh, you know, voice. So it wasn't like somebody else sang for him. It was, um, it was him. So he did, did his own vocals. Um, and then after Star Trek throughout the seventies and eighties, definitely a lively character actor. He usually played edgy military types and menacing bad guys. <laughs> uh, he did that maybe like one of his most quintessential ones. If you're a Rambo fan is in Rambo first blood part two. Um, where he played Murdoch. Um, he was also in the Austin Powers movies as Commander Gilmore. Uh, he was also in the Blues Brothers as Tucker McElroy. He was also in Handle With Care as Chrome Angel. He was in Silence of the Lambs as Lieutenant Doyle. Yeah. So talk about that, that guy that you trust just because of the way that he looks and, uh, you know, sort of uh, moves about space. <laughs> But he was not – okay, so he's he's a military man, he was an actor, and then he also just had a great voice. And so he lent his voice talents to myriad series throughout the years. Um, We're talking like dozens of appearances in uh, voiceover stuff. I'll just pick out a few, like Superman the Animated Series. Um, the Legend of Tarzan, The Mummy, Justice League Unlimited, The Simpsons. He did a video game, Quake 4. Uh, he did that series that we've talked about a few times, The Batman, which was amazing, Squidbillies. And then at the very end of his career, he was in Archer in 2011. So Charles Lewis Napier, uh, what a resume, what a career. Um, and two Star Trek appearances, which is pretty cool.
0: So Herbert, um, Herbert, Herbert. Herber. Yeah.
2: Herbert. <laughs> Herber. That's right. So birthday just yesterday, April 12th, 1936. Happy birthday, Charles Lewis Napier. And our final fan, or excuse me, birthday remembrance goes out this week to another amazing actor, uh, Paul Sorvino, who we lost just not even a year ago at age 83. Um, he was the Italian-American actor who played Nikolai Rogenko in the seven season episode, Homeward. That is Worf's human dad, um, and uh, Paul was the son of Italian immigrants, which is very befitting of many of the roles that he would play later in his life. Um, he's also the father of Mira Sorvino, one heck of an actress Emmy Award winner, if I remember right. Um, and though a real another guy who originally aspired to become an opera singer, uh, but built a very solid career uh, starting in the 70s and, and working onwards. Um, Very recognizable for his role as Paul Cicero in 1990's Goodfellas, probably one of the best gangster movies ever made. Um, That same year, he played the doomed villain Lips Manless in Dick Tracy, which is a little guilty pleasure of mine. I love that movie. (laughs) He did plenty of television, um, known for his year-and-a-half stint as Sergeant Phil Sarita on TV's Law & Order. And then uh, keeping himself busy throughout his whole career, he performed in over 100 movies and over 30 TV movies throughout his career, uh, including that underappreciated uh, performance of, uh, per- portrayal rather, of Henry Kissinger in 1995's Nixon. Um, he was also in that great Romeo and Juliet movie from 1996 with Leonardo DiCaprio, which I also have a soft spot for. <laughs> And at the time of his death last year, he still had three movies that had not yet been released, including *The Ride*, um, which he was in alongside his wife Didi Sorvino. So, um, Sorvino was an inspiration to many people. He suffered from really severe asthma and um, had to manage his uh, disease in a lot of different ways throughout his acting career. And actually wrote a best-selling book entitled *How to Become a Former Asthmatic*. Um, He also started the Sorvino Asthma Foundation based in New York City. And this guy didn't stop there. He loved dogs. And so last but not least, he founded the Dogfellas Dog Adoption Organization in February of 2002 with his family. It's based in Manhattan and Pennsylvania. Dogfellas, you guys. I mean, come on. That's amazing, right? <laughs>
5: that's a great That's, that's a, a great handle, man. That's good stuff. That's a bargain. Well, happy,
2: happy birthday to Paul Sorvino, and happy birthday to all of those who have gone before us in the Star Trek community. Uh, your contributions are always appreciated, and we love you all. Uh, so let's just take this birthday candle and pass it burning and bright right over to Charles. Charles, take it away, buddy.
6: Okay, got to take a deep breath and get started on these. You got a bunch of birthdays to go through. <clears throat> Jim Todak, a actor and writer who voiced Mandel in Lower Deck second season episode first First contact. Michael Spound played Lurum in Voyager's second season episode, Dreadnought, and Lifestyle. Did a lot of classic 80s, including uh, some of our favorites. Love the book, Island, Murder She Wrote. Haley Jo Osment. He vo- uh, voiced O'Connor, uh, O'Connor in, four, in, fourth, in Lower Decks' fourth episode, Moist Vessel. Interesting that most people are not familiar with this actor, but his first movie he ever played in he was in one minor role in a TV show and then his first movie was in Forrest Gump did some voice acting for Family Guy and American Dad but his one liner is one a lot of fans are very familiar with when he called the line I see dead people yes yeah.
1: Yes, That's
5: six, a great six cents, man. Six cents. That's a great movie.
6: Six cents, exactly.
5: Yep.
6: And this one, I'll probably have a little help from Paul, Phil Irwin, American actor and the comedian who played Chukal in *Strategic Discovery's third season episode *Tucal*, and *That Hope Is You* part two and fourth season episode *Kobayashi Maru*. He appeared in Bobby Farin's Don't Worry Be Happy. He also appeared in a lot of Elmo shows as Mr. Noodle. He also had a reoccurring role in CSI. I had to check and see if anybody was familiar with Mr. Noodle. And Paul said, Oh, I do.
5: Well, you know, in our house, uh, and it's not just because we we have a child, but uh, we are massive Sesame Street fans here. I'd say we were cross-generational Sesame Street fans because I remember when it first came out, and uh, it's just a revolutionary part of America in terms of how much stuff that's done to educate people and create – you know, spaces for inclusion uh, in, in folks with disabilities and just, you know, get the inner city more exposed into the lives of regular people across the country. It's a remarkable show. And, uh, you know, during like the kind of latter era where, you know, they brought the Elmo character on there. There is a whole segment, right, when Elmo's world for years and years and years. Character called Mr. Noodle, who's just hilarious. I mean, he's like a mime, basically. And he's been played by number of different actors over the years but it's just it's uh, if you watch these over the, over a, a bunch of time you just it's magnificent the amount of work that went into this how uh they would take really confusing subjects and make them very accessible and approachable for kids uh, just by using humor to educate and that's something that uh you see bill irwin do to a, a, just an insane degree i mean he's just un he's just constantly moving he's constantly funny he's just hilarious i had no idea charles that it, he was the same actor who played sukal
1: yeah. until
5: you discovered that point of that i was just re- how remarkable how remarkable yeah. but go uh hop to youtube and look at some of his uh sketch uh sketches god i can't even talk <laughs> Sketches, he yeah. does, where he plays that character it sounds really goofy uh probably less goofy if you have kids but um it is just uh wonderful stuff uh he's like you know uses uh you know, like classical theater techniques and comedy to uh, to educate. So wonderful performer! I hope we see more of him in the Star Trek world. I was delighted to find out yeah. that he's still uh, working and doing such great
6: work. Let's hope so. Continuing on, Julian Christine appeared as Dexa in Voyager seventh season episode Homestead. and I. Alain in Enterprise's first season episode, Unexpected. Courtney Peldon, actress from New York who played Karen Ferris in Star Trek's Deep Space Nine six-season episode, Valiant.
1: <clears throat>
6: One of her recent roles is doing some of the voices in Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse. I'm sure we got a couple of Marvel fans around here. Steve Gutierrez, child actor who played Ricardo, the doctor's son in the second season of Star Trek Picard. Our little friend there was in five episodes. And then my final one, and I'm going to go back to Paul in just a moment. William Satter, acclaimed actor from Buffalo, New York, who appeared as Luther Sloan. In three episodes of Deep Space Nine, he is an interesting little bio on him. He appeared in four films adapted from Stephen King's work, Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile, The Mist, and Salem's Lot. He has been featured as a Grim Reaper three times in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Bill and Ted Face the Music, and Tales from the Crypt. Ironically, he was born on the same day as Rob Perlman. Peered together in a stage pre- play, The Re- Resistible Rise of a True Ye. So, Paul, let's hear more about Ron.
5: Well, you know, Ron Perlman's pretty great, but I I just have to reinforce and echo what you said, man. William Sadler is just amazing. I am a massive fan of that guy. I mean, he's just phenomenal. I, I got to go back and find these Star Trek episodes and watch them again, just uh, from D Space Nine, just to see his work because he is a, a, a treasure. He's just absolutely great. Very often gets uh, cast as uh, as villains. Uh, go check out Die Hard Two if you want to really see uh, some pretty striking example of how intense a dude Bill Sadler can be. But he's a hell of a guy. Um, great performer. Really nice person. Um, Excellent uh, character there. And he shares a birthday with the first person I'm going to wish happy birthday to. Who, If there's a dude I would like to hang out with, I would say of, of the very short list of folks that are celebrities, Ron Perlman would be super high up on that list for me. Ron Perlman is awesome. He is a mensch, as they say. Now, we're honoring him because of his uh, uh, contributions to the film Star Trek Nemesis, where he played the Reman Viceroy. Bit of a puppet master behind there, Uh, but he is a legend, and I'm sure if you uh, are fans of science fiction and fantasy, you probably know uh, Ron Perlman incredibly well. I mean, he really came to prominence, uh, just like in, uh, in Nemesis, under a ton of makeup in the cult show Beauty and the Beast back in the late 80s early 90s with linda hamilton Uh, a lot of people uh you know it it had a huge cult following that show just became real breakthrough and everyone was like oh what does ron perlman look like because he was always uh under all that makeup right and that's been a hallmark of uh his work he often does a lot of uh, fantasy and sci-fi roles uh under a lot of makeup none more famous or more indelible to me than his performances in uh, Guillermo del Toro's two Hellboy mm-hmm. music movies yeah. where he plays Hellboy himself. And he's got that gravelly voice Ron Perlman does, right? He's just, he's fantastic. He's been in at least one Alien movie. Um, he's done tons and tons and tons of great work, uh, far too numerous roles to mention here. Uh, but he's all over the place, uh, works frequently, Um and I'm a big fan of his work on the show, Sons of Anarchy, where he played the patriarch of a notorious motorcycle gang and a massive badass. So, just Ron Perlman, dude, wherever you are, I hope you are uh, lighting a cigar and having a great evening and uh, being treated with respect and uh, kudos that you deserve, sir. So it's exciting to remind everyone that you're also part of the uh, uh, Star Trek universe. You're a great guy, man. Let's get Guillermo to do that third Elboy movie. That's what I'd like to see. Happy birthday goes out also to Tice Boone, a writer, producer, and director who portrayed Edward Hagler in the Next Generation six-season episode, Schisms. Excellent stuff. A man of many hats, writer, producer, and director there. We're also uh, celebrating Patrick J. Cronin. Uh, happy birthday to Patrick, who played the role of Erko in the Star Trek Next Generation fifth season episode, Cost of Living, which is a good one. Uh, happy birthday goes out also to uh, Byron Kiros. Byron Kiros is an actor, dancer, and choreographer. And in a recent episode of uh, Picard's third season, uh, looking back to uh, the episode titled The Bounty, right? Uh, Byron played a Starfleet lieutenant who beats the holy hell out of Riker, who isn't really a Star Trek, Starfleet lieutenant. It's really Batek. So he's kind of really kind of portraying a couple of different roles there. But it initially seems like he's this brutal Star, Starfleet lieutenant, but it's really Batek in disguise, as we know. So welcome to the Star Trek universe, Byron Kiros. Happy birthday also goes out to uh, Matthew Bourassa, who played Dezius in Star Trek Strange and World's first season episode, Quality of Mercy. So we're getting into some of the more uh, recent shows here, but we're also honoring folks who uh, were in the original series episodes as well. One of my personal favorites, second season original series episode, Assignment Earth, um, the actress April Tatro. Uh, is an actress and former contortionist who uh, played the role of Isis in her human form on that episode. Uh, didn't have any dialogue except giving these kind of knowing looks to, uh, to Gary Seven. And if you're interested in uh, Isis, you have a plethora of different uh, comics uh, that explore the Assignment Earth world that you get a little bit more of an insight into what's really going on with Isis and Gary Seven. So pretty cool stuff there. I'd like to also say happy birthday to Alden Adair, who played uh, Bajoran Taor in the Star Trek Strange New World's first season episode, Spock Amok.
6: Probably,
5: I, I might say, my favorite episode of the first season of Strange New World. It's just because I had a huge smile on my face the entire time I was watching it. It took a premise I never thought would work, and it delightfully proved that it could it, uh, in great uh, fashion. Uh, and a reminder, uh, listeners, if you have not really dove into Star Trek Strange New Worlds, uh, or if you have and you just want to be able to do it again and again and again, uh, get that uh, first season DVD and you can get it, how much? What? For free! Yes, that's right. You can get that DVD set for free just by Sir Pligo. To trektalking.com, going to the microphone icon and leave the wacky zaniest message you can um just you know let it out friends and those dvds will be uh materializing on your transporter buffer in short order so check that out and finally for me uh happy birthday goes out to actress jennifer morrison who played uh the mother of james t kirk winona kirk in the 2009 iteration of Star Trek, directed by J.J. Abrams. Jennifer Morrison, you are also part of the Star Trek family, and a Kirk nonetheless. So happy birthday to all of our folks here who have been enjoying uh, birthdays at this time of year, and uh, I'll pass the uh, flaming candle, dilithium spores over to Jim.
3: (laughs) Well, uh, we we have a current Star Trek actor who's also going to be at Chuck Conroga in August. I'm going to have a chance to meet him. Uh, he plays um, He's an English actor who plays Jack Crusher in the third season of Star Trek Picard. We'd like to say happy birthday to Ed Spielers. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking a little bit about Jack tonight, guys. So let's see what happens with that. We also want to say happy birthday to Leif Ganifor, who played the Ice Officer Morris in Star Trek Picard's second season episode, The Watcher, and Fly Me to the Moon. And here's one of my favorites. We want to say happy birthday to Michelle Scarbelli, who played Lieutenant Junior Grade Jenna DeSora in Star Trek The Next Generation's fourth season episode in theory. But she also starred in one of my favorite shows that was on Fox and got canceled uh, when it shouldn't have, when it was at the height of popularity. Uh, She played Susan Francisco on Alienation, George's Wife. So they canceled it on a cliffhanger, but then proceeded to make not one, not two, not three, not even four, but five two-hour made-for-TV movies from a TV series that got canceled. Figure that one out, guys. Mm. Cancel Mm. the show and then make (laughs) five.
6: Five. Okay?
3: Five. Well, Firefly got, only got one movie. Alienation got five. So, <laughs> bad call, Fox. Bad, bad call. Happy birthday to Michelle. We also want to say happy birthday to Julia Rose, who played the Mako Corporal Jay McKenzie in Star Trek Enterprise third season episode, Anomaly. I think she bit the dust, if I remember correctly. Um, Makos Many never last too
2: long. Yeah, I was going to say, Makos never last too long.
3: <laughs> no. The they, they were the, pre, the precursors to red shirts.
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally.
0: Well, you but it was interesting. Uh, yeah,
2: interesting, tough. like, uh, i always loved that about Enterprise because, you know, it, it like – when you get people talking about the original series and Starfleet, the question is, is it a military organization or not? And, you know, I'm not here to talk about that, but the Makos being pre that who were absolutely military were kind of an interesting way to introduce that concept, you know, uh, retcon that concept into Star Trek.
3: Yeah, because Star Trek Enterprise was pre uh, Starfleet, pre Federation. Yeah, quite
2: a bit. Yeah,
3: yeah. So yeah, the Makos got kind of got absorbed and became red shirts.
2: I, guess. <laughs> I think they just started so, arming the red shirts better and gave them less training. Yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> they ran out of there funding. You go. The
2: Walking Dead.
3: <laughs> oh, anyways, where am I? Oh yes, here we go. We also want to say happy birthday to Thad Lemay, who appeared in the. Uh, as the devil in the TNG fourth season episode, Devils Do. A pretty cool episode, if you haven't seen it recently. And we also want to say happy birthday to Lisa Coppola, who portrayed uh, Lieutenant Stadi in the Star Trek Voyager pilot episode, Caretaker. Another example of a character I like biting the dust. Um, go figure. Um, she's the shuttle pilot that brought Tom Paris to from Deep Space Nine to... Voyager. And of course, she bites the dust in the big accident. So happy birthday to Alicia Cupola. And I always save the Klingons for last. And I've got some Klingons here, of course. Not big Klingons, but one of them is very recognizable. We want to say Kabla to Marlene Sorby, who is the actress musician who played the Klingon flag officer of Star Trek Deep Space Nine's seventh season episode, Tacking Into the Wind. I tried to find Marlene's uh, Klingon name, couldn't locate it, but kapla to Marlene. And the last one, the last one I think is a big one. Um, This guy, um, he appeared as Bajek in Star Trek The Next Generation's fifth season episode, Unification Part One. This is the Klingon when Picard asked to speak to Gowron, who kept telling Picard, Gowron's busy. He can't talk to you. He's too busy. And Picard kindly says to him, well, would you inform Gowron that if he doesn't have the time to talk to me, I will have to find someone else who will. And when I do, they will have my gratitude instead of Gowron. And that kind of shook Gowron a little bit, and he provided them with the cloak shift that they needed. That Klingon was Jack, But he also played Yarka. In Star Trek: Deep Space Nine's third season episode, Destiny, and we're not done because he also played Jaman in Star Trek: Enterprise's first season episode, Terra Nova. But wait, but wait, there's so much more. This guy's face you would recognize in a heartbeat um, oh, yeah. because he also starred in Enchino Man, Stargate, Stargate Atlantis, Independence Day. The Mummy, Daredevil, Planet of the Apes, Sequest, DSV, The X-Files, and The West Wing. And that's just to name a few. And, Paul, this awesome actor that we're talking about, what is his name?
5: You're talking about the great Eric with a C and a K, Avari. Yes. He, if, 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 if I'm not mistaken, his face. Yeah, you would
3: know him. You would he's the guy in the beginning of Stargate, uh, Independence Day, he's he's putting the golf ball. I mean, this guy's got the most recognizable – Jim he's on face. he's
2: on he's in 3 episodes of Another Guilty Pleasure of mine, which is Warehouse 13. I don't know why I love that show. It's so formulaic, but it's kind of like one of those that you just can't stop watching. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he
5: was in uh, he was in the uh, the the Brendan Fraser movie The Mummy as well. Dude, I don't know if you meant Oh, that's uh, whatever. Cra- as the audience, was
4: but- Odette Dead yeah, that's right yeah yeah
5: but that's he's uh right. he's definitely done a lot of good stuff on there um i'm pretty sure he was in the original i never watched the stargate series but i'm pretty sure it was in the original stargate movie uh, as yeah, well he was not like, like but,
1: pre-series oh yeah
5: yeah he, he was he's terrific he's just one of those faces that's just immediately uh engaging he looks like like if you had to uh, you know uh you're casting a movie where it's like you're going over to meet your girlfriend's father and he's kind of an intimidating academic perhaps you're going to cast this guy. I mean just, he's got that face. Yeah, right. You you yeah. go over yeah. to really awesome. engaging.
3: And you check out all the things that this guy has done. Just but he did play a Klingon so that's why he makes my list. Well, <laughs> so, happy birthday. And guys, that wraps up our birthdays. Our phone number here is six four six 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 eight two four three three. We still have an hour to go, which is great because we have a lot to talk about. And right now we're going to start talking about Star Trek Picard, Surrender. On our Facebook yes.
1: page
3: you got our fans to score the episode on a scale of one to ten, with ten being the best. And Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about surrender?
2: Oh my goodness! We have so many great comments from our fans this week. We're going to start out with top fan Lee Ann Goble, who gave it a 9.5 and not a 10, only because I need to know what Jack is, and they left us hanging, which ironically is one of the reasons I loved it so much. Yeah, I feel you. You're right on that razor's edge, right, Lee Ann? Thank you so much for saying hello to us. Top fan Jared de Deleccio, gave it an eight. The scene with the crew together felt like it was from one of the conventions seemed forced and corny, like they were going to walk on stage and take a bow. Thanks Jerry. Also Bella Bognar gave it an eight. It would have been a ten if it wasn't for Kaveen.
1: Oh
2: yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Manya Cortz gave it a ten exclamation point. This season is incredibly good with a big heart. Top fan, Sandra Louise Clue, gave it a nine. It was so good to see them all around the table again and loved Data's new persona. Mrs. Ruby A.G. Bonilla gave it, uh, uh, well, eventually a seven, seven, but uh, there was a lot of explanation here. Cliffhangers are fine, but same cliffhanger as episode before? Eh villain says time to know what he truly is and we don't find out that's literally how they ended the previous episode and then started this one I totally agree (laughs) this episode about to open door and they won't what I also disliked in this episode was how drawn out their slow walks were and drawn out some of their suspenseful dialogue was few times I was able to fast forward and still got what the episode was about so I'd say a seven I actually loved how Jordy and Data's BFF friendship was reclaimed. Thank you, Mrs. Ruby AG Bonilla. That was a great review. Tim Rader gave it a 10. The Data Lore sequence was beautiful. Plus, Amanda Palmer was just so good as Vatic. Kimberly Cook said 10. I think Troy is a changeling. She was excellent. I enjoyed the new characters as much as the TNG cast, but glad to see Vatic gone. Top fan Doran Scott said 6. It was very stretched out. Liz King said 10. Loved it and cried and laughed multiple times. Held my breath a few times also. <laughs> Me too, Liz. Top fan Adam J. Waldrip said 7.5. Stop <laughs> dragging the Jack storyline uh, story out. It's uh, getting hard to care. Best scene was Worf, Riker, and Troy. Last scene on bridge was a close second. Thanks, Adam. Stephanie LeMay said, 10 so freaking good. Loved it when data came over to lore. I couldn't lose data for a third time. Loved seeing them all together around the table. I can't wait to find out what is behind the red door. Top fan, Frank Stryber said, "7.7 of 9. Excuse me. <laughs> 7 of 9. So I think I'd round that up to like a 7.8 out of 10. So 7.8 from Frank. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> no, he said, just kidding, a great nine. Its only negative point was the secret about Jack is dragging too long. Hmm. Theme from our fans this week. Top fan Joseph Hughes said 10, enjoyed seeing seven saying, get off my bridge. And then what happened next? Julie Goodwin said 10. And that's just starting with those biker jackets and Vattic's last words. John Murray gave it a 10. The story is great. Loved how it stopped at him opening the red door. Hate that you are all making us wait until next week. Sad that only two episodes are left. Happy that we got to see TNG crew all together once again. Really wish for a Titan show. Oh, John, we all do. Emma-Louise Fillier gave it a 10 with an exclamation point. Can't believe they ended it there. (laughs) Ha-ha. Bloody hate cliffhangers. (laughs) I bloody hate them too, Emma. And finally, our last fan, Minashiki Sudaram Murali gave it a 9.5. Getting into nice TNG-style storytelling. Data reunion is nicely done, yet surprise maintained and that you guys gives us a fan score this week of 9.1 and that's very respectable we've had a 9.6 a 9.5 a 9.3 this is the fourth highest score for the season so uh we're back up from that 7.9 last week for sure charles i'm sure there's some background information that we all would have liked to have known before this show can you provide us with a little bit of background here on our cadet training segment I sure
6: can, as computer. Okay, I picked a few out and left a few out. Let's start off with Picard. Season 1, Episode 7. I know, one of Jim's favorites, the Pentay. That was a big discussion of Riker and Troy and their opinion about their home there. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. As we discuss, we discuss override codexes. As in that episode, they talk about taking over the Reliant. As in this one, Picard attempts to use his code to take over the ship. TNG's parallels, season seven, episode eleven, an alternate universe where Worf and Troy are married, and that start to explain Worf's conversation when he releases Troy and Riker, and all he was saying to her, a little kindling of a once romance. Lord X. Reflection, Season 3, Episode 5. Very similar to where Data and Lore have their talk and their issues. In fact, while we're in that realm, let's talk a few of Data's memories. You see Sherlock Holmes' pipe. Elementary, My Dear Data, Season 2, Episode 3. You see the Memory Crystal, Tasha Yar, Skin of Evil, Season 1, Episode 23, and The Most Toys, Season 3, Episode 22. We see the deck of cards, reminiscence of multiple poker games, sometimes play with the crew. Once, David even was playing with some of the great minds, including one that was still living at the time. And, of course, Spot. Spot's first episode was Day to Day. Season 4, Episode 11. And seven other episodes, plus the film. The one I kind of threw in there was Picard's Hide and Seek. Season 2, Episode 9. This is where Picard opens the door. And let's go of one of his secrets as Jack's getting ready to open one of his secrets. So we can move on to discussion.
3: So let's dive right in and talk about the episode. The phone number here is 646-668-2433. We'd love to hear from you guys. What do you think is going on? So uh, let's let's dive in and talk about this one. So I think like... uh, Charles just mentioned the the scene where Riker and Troy are on Baddock's ship, and uh, you know they they think they're going to die. They're getting ready to die, and all of a sudden, the, the guard opens the door, and a mechleth no, I'm sorry, a goes through the guy's chest, kills him, and it's Worf. They escape, and then Worf starts turns to Troy, and I can't remember what he said, but he says something like. For countless laps of the waves on the beach, I have waited to see you. And the rotations of the moon and the sun and blah, blah is going off. And Riker's standing there like, really? Is this more of the torture? And that whole interaction with with Riker and Worf and Worf and Deanna just had me just laughing. I was just on the floor. And I was like, wow,
6: this is so funny.
3: And the way Riker played it.
6: How many of us actually remember the relationship that one, at one point that Troy mm-hmm. and Worf had? I think well, a lot I of think... us had forgotten that, forgotten that relationship.
2: Well, and to me, Charles, that's like the special thing about this scene in Picard is that if you do remember that, you'll know that, you know, Worf is not being romantic in this moment. There's no, like... Like, there, Riker, of course, takes it personally because he's Riker, and that's the way that he yeah. would interpret that no matter what, because him him and Worf had a little bit of a row about Deanna back in the day. But, like, that's not where Worf's coming from. He's coming from the fact that he really respects and really loves, not as a partner, but, like, loves Deanna, and learned a lot from her back in the day, and she was probably instrumental in his transformation into Samurai Worf, which I think is so cool that they gave him that moment to, like, almost thank and honor her for that contribution to his life, you know? Yeah.
3: It was good. It was good. And right before that, though, we find out that neither one of them wants to live on pentate. They hate it there, <laughs> um, which was yeah. interesting. And the one thing that I found to be the most interesting uh, was the fact that right, Deanna Troy used her Betazoid abilities to steal Riker's pain over the death of Thad, And that's what drove Riker away, because he needed his pain, like another Starfleet officer that we all know and love, who said, I need my pain. in one of the best Star Trek movies ever made, Star Trek V, <laughs> The Final Frontier. Oh. And Riker, Riker <laughs> needed his pain, too. And Deanna Troy took it away from him. And that... He never got a chance to deal with it, and that's what caused him to run away. I thought that was a really, really good scene,
1: Riker. Right yeah, they yeah.
2: sort of they sort of like hinted at it a couple episodes ago that that was what was going on, but in this episode they absolutely spelled it out, and I loved that coming from Riker because to me Jonathan Frakes' delivery that whole speech where he sort of talks about the fact that he he needed his pain and that she was she was dulling she was dulling his pain because she cared about him and thought that's what he needed. And he was like, no, I didn't need that. And the problem that you see here is that there was lack of communication between the two of them. Deanna was trying to do the right thing. Riker was trying to do the right thing. And because they didn't effectually communicate with one another, likely because they just lost their son and they were both in absolute emotional distress, you know, neither was able to provide what the other one needed. And so they they moved on and, and I love this kind of coming back together. There's it's you know, the way they story in Picard here is that we get several snippets of scenes of these two together, but the through line kind of ends in that you can't skip to the end of healing, right? You, We learn that you really, as a human being, you have to go through the whole process. Nobody can take it away from you. Nobody can make it better. Um, but people out there can share that burden with you. Um, and Deanna tried to take it away in some ways. She she says share, and I don't want to like be too down on Deanna because from her perspective, she was trying to help Riker out, and, and she actually says in this episode, trying to share, but... Yeah, I love that that cultural diaspora between the Betazoid and the human, the human saying, listen, I need my crazy emotions, because if I don't go through the pain, I can't get over the pain.
3: Just like Captain <laughs> Kirk said in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Absolutely. One of the best Star
5: Trek movies ever made.
3: Okay, and Jim, we are.
2: that's enough now. We're, Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. You know,
5: there's a there's, there's deja vu, and then there's ad nauseum repetitiveness. We don't yeah, want to yeah,
1: fall yeah. into the yeah. second
0: one, do we? Come on. <laughs> Come on. <It's>,
1: uh...
0: <laughs> Holy Mary. We need the pain, though, right? We need the
1: Oh, we got the pain,
0: me. I'm
5: telling you. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. We got we, the pain. Plenty of pain. Plenty of pain. The pain has so been acknowledged.
0: So Lots I got a quick question about that whole Nepenthe episode and this whole conversation with Riker and Deanna. Did they ever mention anything about their daughter? Whatever happened to their daughter? Why wasn't yeah. she ever mentioned?
2: No, they mentioned her in this thing. They they actually, in this episode, they specifically mentioned her because Riker is worried about dying. And he's like, listen, if we both die, it's going to be all by herself. So we know that Kestra's out there. Somebody's uh, watching over her or something like that. But they specifically do address her in this episode.
0: Okay. I guess I'm good. Well,
3: Terry Metallus, a lot of fans asked him that on Twitter. And Terry Metallus said on Twitter that Kestra got admitted into Starfleet on the early admission program because she was brilliant. And that she currently was in her first year at Starfleet Academy and that she was oh, well, there
0: we um, go. That's what
3: he said on Twitter so in the final point point, if Starfleet has been infiltrated by changelings is she really truly safe there
0: that's no but it means news. that
2: she's ready to kick ass in Starfleet Academy yo.
0: yeah that's I can imagine that <laughs> that's right
2: that's
3: uh. right so let's talk about Vadic. so I, I, one of our fans said that Vadic had the best line ever before uh, uh, she got sucked into space correction you know, blown into space. And uh, when Jack puts up the force field and seven of nine is in there and she says, get <laughs> off my ship. And they open up the portal and she looks and she says, yeah. and, you know, we could do this because, because we're not under FCC guidelines. so We're, we're not a family players. show. <laughs> That's right. She says, fucking solid. And she goes out into space, freezes solid like Arnold in the Terminator. Run, gets thrown right into the into the strike and shatters in a million pieces just like Arnold did
5: in T two. And that's Wait a second. Arnold doesn't do that in T two. It's the no, other the, one.
2: It's the other one. It's
5: Robert it's Patrick.
2: The T two thousand. Yeah, one
5: thousand. Yeah. <laughs> Get <laughs> your Terminators straight, old man. <laughs> <laughs> Hooper drives the boat, Chief. Hooper drives the boat. But he you know, Jim, that.
2: a lot a lot of people were complaining about that scene online because they say, well, if I go back to the Deep Space Nine days, we actually see a changeling who is existing in space as yeah. a spaceship, right? And so I think it's important to, to note that this is one of those places that the changelings that we're dealing with now diverge from the Odo great link changelings and i think there are actually a few things we can talk about on today's show about ways in which these changelings differ from our classic changelings but certainly this you know unable to survive in space is one aspect being stabbed through the heart by a Mechleth and somehow dying is another thing right like oda would have never died by taking a, a a blade to the chest like that's just that You can't kill a changeling that way. So it's just important for people to understand that, yes, they're changelings. Yes, they can change their shape. They have the, um, whatever that is, the enzyme. They talk about it in Deep Space Nine. There's like a special enzyme that they have. It's like morphogenic enzyme or something like that that they they have that allows them to change. These changelings are different. So aside from the trope of freezing in space and condensate forming when in fact there's no moisture in space and all that scientific stuff. I liked the kind of like dramatics of the classic, you know, some people think it's trophy. I didn't mind it. I don't know. It was fine. Like seeing well, static yeah. shattered in that way it was kind of satisfying strangely.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you were mentioning that they're different and like what Dr. Crusher described that they actually have blood now. And so blood can't survive in space. I would agree with that. So yeah and it's just like if
2: you really get into the science of it like as she's freezing there's ice crystals forming on her body which uh, look look it up like that wouldn't actually happen in space like most likely if you were to die in space what would happen is you the pressure in space is is a vacuum right so you're it's more like um Oh total recall where you know Arnold's eyes start to bulge out of his head because there's no atmosphere it's like that
1: <laughs>
2: Well I, it was more well, fitting that she shattered i think <laughs>
1: Well, you know. it was fun. It was but like, you know, it's I mean, guys, I said, it's you
5: got, yeah, you're getting all, uh, all scientific, realistic here. I mean, no, no, never forget, like the the, no, the no, mantra I'm that drives 98 percent of all decisions made in Hollywood, basically, right? It's just like, will this be cool? Do I think this is cool? Right? No one's cool. ever looking to see scientific. They're like, this cool. is this cool? And will it be fun? And it well, was. Well,
6: I, I saw, I, I saw. Because it's
5: fictional entertainment.
6: (laughs) I saw saw somebody who did a freeze frame in there, and they said, one, she shattered. You saw at one point her face still floating away and making people (laughs) wonder, did she completely die or not? Well, my bet would be
3: yes. I
5: was, yeah, was, I was, would think so. That's a stretch. That's a pretty big stretch. I think, you know, it's uh, she's right. dead Yeah,
3: <laughs> with you only know. two episodes left. I I, I, I think she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, if we had five or six episodes left, well, maybe she pulled it all well, together.
2: But I so know. let's OK, so we've talked a lot about the the dying and the effing solids line. But let's talk a little bit more about like Amanda Plummer's VATIC and what we all think about it. So here. I'll give you some things that I loved about her in this episode and some things that I did not love. So I loved um many individual components of scenes. She had some great lines. I loved the moment where she is conducting the screams of the Starfleet officers over the comm like to me if if I was if I was tortured to levels unheard of and my body was not damaged enough to kill me, such you that the story that she told in the previous week's episode about the ten changelings who had that happen to them, you can imagine you would be driven to some sort of madness. And to me, she really portrays that kind of madness in a lot of really great ways. Um, I liked that. What I didn't like was that they kind of take that and they turn it into a caricature sometimes. So we've talked about the mustache-twirling villain, and I think that we see parts of that coming up in this episode like when she's she says that line she's like jack in the box pop 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 like that's totally just indulgent right (laughs) there's no reason like i can believe her hate i can believe why she hates the federation i can believe why she must get jack i can believe all these things but it's the 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 component that they layer on top of that of her kind of being that mustache twirling villain while she's also under the yoke of some greater being that's that's actually causing her to have to do all these things in general. That's the part of her character that I don't think is working. So I think she's knocking it out of the park with the writing that she has, but that there are some writing deficiencies that are causing her character to not be as good as it could be. She's got that one line in here also where she says something like, or I'll murder or no, mm. I'll, 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 uh, I'll kill something like that. And I wanted her to say every last one of you <laughs> from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, what do you guys think about Vatican, like the way Amanda Plummer is going down here, and like her character in general? I'm just curious about that.
3: You know, smoking on Star Trek, I always thought her smoking cigarettes was weird. I thought there was on Starship.
2: Do you think it's because she has like this, so I remember, so here's my headcanon for that, Jim. So Odo, when he becomes a solid, um, becomes completely enamored with things like food, right? Because he's never experienced things like taste or 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 pleasure from taste before. And so to me, these changelings because because of their biological component, they may be more indulgent. So they may be able to eat food, they may be able to smoke things and get some sort of pleasure out of it, whatever people get out of smoking or you know, we don't even know know what she's smoking, but like it doesn't really matter. I think it's that her biology is different. And so that's why she's able to do that and actually make use of it. Whereas Odo, you know, we'd never see Odo eating or smoking anything until he became a solid one.
3: Now, when she hits the, the ship and shatters, the, what, what happened to the, the cheese head that was in her hand? Did that cheese head shatter and die too? Like the villain, super villain that's behind the scenes?
2: Um, oh, I'm, guessing I know. Know. Like, what? <laughs> I'm guessing, I'm guessing that that was just a component of her body. That's some sort of communication device. I mean, we don't really know, but that's my guess.
0: Yeah. it would probably be
2: yeah.
3: a
0: communicator.
3: It could be. I was just wondering, cause she, she cuts her hand off and it turns into this floating cheese head that tells her what to do. And then it goes back on her hand again. When she went into space and shattered and died, did the cheese head thing in her hand <laughs> die too? Um, well,
2: I mean, we could we could talk a little bit about the Cheesehead and the way that he plugs into other things that happened in this episode cuz I feel like there's some Cheesehead through lines here that that show up in Jack and uh, a couple other characters here.
4: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, well, I, I'm
3: just, you know, the Cheesehead thing's got me wondering like who is the Cheesehead and is Cheesehead still alive?
2: Yeah, you know. I'm I don't sure think he's, he's still alive. Yeah, it's just that was like a. It was clear that that was a communication well, device. That it wasn't like, it's not like um, you know Ash's hand from Evil Dead that possesses him. <laughs> 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 it, was, it was just How another way. It? <laughs> yeah, it was just another way to like. Uh, communicate, you know, it's like a comm device, but you have to cut off your hand to do it because it's all brutal. Yeah,
5: it's some kind of, you know, whatever you want to make it up this BS, right? Cellular integration, right. you know, uh, communication. <laughs> Trek- thing. No so love. that hand's gone, so it'll manifest in some other cellular thing someplace else, right? That's what I have done. <laughs> her wife. I mean, all the <laughs> stuff is really interesting and everything. <laughs> How do you guys feel about talking more about the story and less about <laughs> the 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 minutiae of devices yeah. and,
1: yeah, and for sure. things for sure uh,
5: um i would love to hear everyone's thoughts on this because uh, i'm i'm you know i'm over vatic i'm 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 happy that vatic's no longer part of the story hopefully and we're moving on to find out what's really going on in there which with jack and everything and boy if there was a common thread in the uh Comments this week, Eric. It was that people are so tired of not knowing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: double cliffhanger. So what's really
5: going okay. on? So hopefully uh, now that Deanna Troy is here, she can get to the bottom of things and uh, find out what's really happening. Uh, so uh, a belabored reveal, but hopefully one that uh, is occurring even now. Um, but uh, I would love to focus on something positive that, for me, was just such a, a great thing. Was it was the great Brent Spiner mm. is everything that he did uh, that was frankly, you know, wrapping up, you know, decades of work on a character. And in this scene, that's kind of an internal mind scene, if you will, uh, what we can call the partition scene between data and lore, you know, duking it out, if you will, and trying to decide who will dominate and how that was such a, to me, just such a great Exhibition of character work for both characters, just in terms of the way each one was behaving, the subtleties that that Spiner brought to both voices uh, with that, and and just the emotion uh, that it triggered for uh, at least for me, in terms of seeing things like references to the the poker games. Um, I really lost it too when when Spot showed up, and, and Data still talks about Spot the exact same way, is it inflection. Uh, is is just remarkable the way he does that. I just thought it was a sensational scene. It did not uh, it, I just thought it worked like, like magic and it was super delightful. It was suspenseful too because we really did think that, you know,
0: Data had lost
5: and then there was this really great little reveal there and part of the reason we I really bought it is because I thought that um, uh, LaForge sold it so well.
2: LaForge <laughs> really, oh, is really amazing made, in this right? episode.
5: He's like, we lost it, We lost him. I can't you know, he really, I was just like, Jesus. I mean, you know, you really, you know, I'm I, I'm convinced <laughs> the way he said it, right? I'm like, I really thought that when LeVar said it, I'm like, oh man, are they really doing this to me? Right? But then, then a little twist and he came back. But I just thought that I was great. And then the magical, uh, just their relationship. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, right? Just the, the friendship of that and for them being able to just actually you know, warmly and, you know, uh, authentically acknowledge their fondness for one another was just great. You don't see that kind of, you know, importance of friendship in drama too often and just, you know, uh, no one's hiding their feelings. They're actually getting to say, you know, it's really important to express how we feel about each other. And I think that's great. And just all that stuff just works so beautifully. And line of the show for me was, Dina, you just used a contraction no i didn't (laughs) right (laughs) you know playfulness playfulness from data and and just with magical comic timing so for me that there's that whole sequence with you know daring to reactivate lore and and the problems that that could cause but realizing it's their only shot and just i thought that was just great and the suspense on everyone's face uh watching to see what happens just looking at brent spiner and watching like beverly and picard and everyone just going well shit what's going to happen oh my god
2: well you and all, know and just like the there's, well, 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 there's like the, there's like the Tos, high we level you. we get to see oh yeah Tosche, 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 too yeah yep. but but for me there's like the the high level idea too in that whole scene that goes throughout the episode of that we are what our memories are made of right so yeah um and and we don't have, as humans, the ability to give away our memories the way that Data gave his memories away to Lore here. But I will tell you that I am a complete believer in that we are made of our memories, right? we There are things that happen in our lives that we remember in a particular way. And it may or may not be exactly how it went down because it's colored by emotions and context and history and all sorts of different things. But to to take those and give those away to another person, and the way that I read this scene is that Data doesn't necessarily give these away because it's the only choice that he has. There, there's a little line there where it kind of sounds like he's doing that. It's like, oh, well, I, I don't have a choice, so I have to do this. I like to think, and I think it's kind of implied in this scene, that Data truly loves lore, and it's because Data got everything and lore got nothing that yeah. Data feels like giving away these memories to lore is the way to bring humanity to the android who always had the emotions but never had the humanity. That's you like absolutely brain. are correct. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean,
5: especially Spiner's delivery there, man. Where he said when he when he says to Lore, he goes, because, he goes, why are you doing this? He goes, because you had nothing, and the way he said that was with such genuine yeah. emotion. I thought yeah. he's not well, tricking Lore there. He's really not. He's just genuinely he feels bad, right? And he I loves just it, thought the man that was just He just beautiful. He, he does just loves absolutely. Him to, like,
1: well, a, and he's needing to he's not <laughs> trying to
5: make lore and i think it's important don't you feel i mean if, if, if my read on this scene is 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 even le- remotely legit i'm hoping i'm perceiving this right i've watched it twice now but lore wasn't vanquished and lore didn't go away no they've they've my merged heart. together they've become yeah. a, a unique third party right they've totally. they've become a, a blended individual which is just so great and it's going to make you know i hope future subsequent data stories all the richer i'm i'm so ready for whatever show that hopefully we're lucky enough to get right going forward um you better have geordie data and wharf beyond said show uh and ideally seven as well if you're talking about a legacy show a legacy series that people are theorizing uh i got I need more data. I, I just, He's great. Well, and how interesting would it be to have those two characters finally be together in, you know, kind of a Spock, human, half-human way. I, I think it would be great. Uh, loved that scene so much. And was there a little dig at toy collectors there from lore when he's just saying, oh, you would just yes. trinkets.
1: Yes. Did
2: anyone else pick up on that? Or is it just my totally own baggage know. that I have? No, 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 no well, Not your baggage, <laughs> but like, but the, the, that lore, doesn't understand the value that human beings all of um, you know data in this case actually assign value to things that have absolutely no value to anybody else <laughs> right yeah, yeah. That's, that's the thing absolutely he's a do, sentimentalist like he is yeah. a
5: sentimentalist yeah. and, oh, and it's go. just like that well, is how he is that's his way of reminding himself of meaningful beats for him through his journey in the human experience yeah. the journey to I become think-
6: human I think there was a little bit of lines in there that you just barely heard and you didn't realize were there at the beginning when he pulls out the pipe and you hear the lines from Elementary My Dear Data where it said, Holmes never owned anything that wasn't important. Mm. Everything he possessed had importance.
2: Yeah an allegory for the memories that data possessed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
6: And, and Paul, I know you don't like kind of the spoiler bits, but when this season's over, you have to go back and see the ready room with Brett Spiner. Cause he talked about, Oh, how I, do,
5: I would it. love to, I would love to, I he, would, I will absolutely he, do that.
6: He talks about how he set the scene and occasionally they had somebody spot for him. The other character, but to be passing these lines back and forth between himself just shows what fascinating actor Man, it's seamless it's seamless is.
5: right and they they did yeah. a great job it's just you know i mean i you know it's just uh I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I just think it's great. I will absolutely go back and watch that once the spoiler potential has gone. <laughs> I don't
1: have to okay, worry so about all...
5: anything being telegraphed, right? But it's just like, you know, it's just people say, you know, anyone, whoever is like, oh, you know, I mean, you hear a little negativity out there, right? You know, this is just fan service and they're bringing folks back together and having them sit around the table and blah, 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 right? I mean, I know a lot of people perceive it that way, but to me, this is just, you know, I'll always go back to this performance here as just magic. I thought what Spiner did was just absolutely... Splendid.
6: But when you Life. look at the fans and they sit there and they take still shots of the crew on the table. And it's like, yeah, it's fan service. But for a lot of the fans that's exactly what they wanted.
5: Yeah,
1: it's just it's, 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 how do you not do that? Everyone's
5: together. together in the same room. It's it's a, it's momentous. I mean, the, no, it's the true. The plot was directed so that everyone finally did get a chance to come together. I mean, I don't know if they'll all still be together in two episodes, but you know they're. But here's a moment where circumstances have led everyone to be together. Together, it's 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 a it you know I'm, it's a beautiful little moment. I thought I just was yeah. delighted yeah. by it. I had a big
2: grin on my face watching it. I'll just tell well, you though, all that like. In Season 1, Data's death to me was one of the most moving parts of any Star Trek series ever. And I I loved that entire concept and sequence in Season 1. So here's what I'll say. I cannot disagree with you about this episode. I loved absolutely everything that they did in this episode. And it kind of feels like they, you know brought data back from the dead one more time and it it just like that that part of it to me um cheapens the legacy of season one picard's send data send off which which like literally brought me to tears when i watched it like it was so emotionally impactful and i loved it so much and so i like i said I don't disagree with you. I love that data's back. I love the new data lore. <laughs> um, Cause I kind of feel it,
5: like it's interesting that you bring that up, man, because I kind of feel like there's, you know, when it's convenient, I almost kind of feel like they, uh, in the mindset writing season three, I kind of feel like they willfully ignore a lot of what happened in season one and two in Picard when absolutely.
1: it's convenient, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well,
3: that's not true. We because- certainly see that
5: with the relationship between Seven and Rafi, right? Where they just kinda of, well, we're just gonna pretend that never happened kind of a thing, right? Or just drive by it really quickly. But uh but it's just like I it's like I think that, you know, I mean I, I, I barely even remember season one, right? I, I gotta go back and watch some of those again. I just you know, Jim's expression about being long on the tooth. I I just feel like this this season has somehow just pushed everything else out of the way in my head. In terms of my Picard space, right? It's just well, crazy because it's just
3: Picard does say to Data when well I, he's not Data he's something you know, else.
2: I know, I know, but, but it's he data. says, Come on, guys. Says no, it's I understand <laughs> it's data, different,
3: but it's the same. He says to List Data, who now doesn't wear makeup anymore, uh, just contacts, and he says to Data, he you know he says well you know I upheld Data's request and unplugged him. And because he wanted to experience death. And he acknowledges that from season one. Hey, and this version of Data says to Picard, he says, that version of Data is gone. And this version of Data appreciates what was done for that version. So they do acknowledge that. They do bring that up. They,
2: they totally do, Jim. But this is the second, like, Picard is the first character that we killed off. Well, yeah. We, 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 we kill him off. We brought him back as an android, or a golem, or whatever, and we killed off Data once in a movie, we killed him off again in season one, and now he's alive again, and yes, there's an acknowledgement that it's not the same Data. I'm not saying, guys, I want to tell you that I'm all in on this episode, I just want to acknowledge the fact that they have brought Data back multiple times right now because it's convenient for storytelling and nostalgia. Oh,
5: yeah. Yeah. It's like I I feel like you know like whenever I I I totally see what you're saying and I and I in a lot of ways agree with it probably in ways that might be annoying but you know that's how I am it's just like it's like when whenever data references you know B B four you know I, yeah. I kind of like you know uh, I that just name always just drove me nuts because I'm like that's just like you know it's it's so. Silly to me b four I mean, was, come on, but you know it's just and it's I think a lot it's like I think a lot of times they seem to be writing with the whole let's let 's just pretend that never happened kind of a thing because you know there's not a face off between three or four personalities here it 's a face off between two core two. ones that
6: and they made are such a massively legacy connected
5: back yeah. to. Yeah, but they're not there, right? Well, this is—I no. mean—I feel like it's they well, want to draw a straight line right back to to the sh- the series Next Gen and, and make those moments be what are evocative. And if they have to ignore the previous two seasons of Picard to to do that, they have no problem.
6: Well, I okay, let's bring up Lull because I think I caught a point in the discussion because Data talks about I'm I am a let's say matrix of soons and soons technologies well thing is Lull was not a soon project lol was data's project so she is incorporated as part of her memories he's not part of the
1: soon group
6: because it was it was it was the
2: beings that he created soon created
6: not the ones that included what
2: Data had worked on. But like a granddaughter of soon Right. But
5: I like that. Data... I like that a lot. That's an interesting way of looking at her.
3: But didn't that's Data – That's a cool didn't way of describing absorb... her. Didn't Data absorb all of her memories into his own matrix? Was well, he...
2: the thing – I think what Charles – the point that Charles is making – or that – uh sorry – that i believe paul was making was that um they don't acknowledge lol in the in the positronic duel like when they bring the barrier down it's just data and just lore and they had made a point before that to kind of mention other things that were incorporated into the data lore android and they just sort of ignored those when they went for the final battle i you know i don't know that that hindered the story that much but what it did was it left a certain amount of um context and a certain amount of detail out of the story that they could have capitalized on, that they didn't. So yeah, I think,
5: the top- really, you know, th- I think that's really, you know, I think that's true. But I feel like, you know, it, it may sound mercenary, but I kind of feel like the mindset they wrote this season on was basically, you know, uh, you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, it just feels this way to me that, that, they, that they wrote this with a, Perspective of like, if you're a fan who's totally ignored the first two seasons of Picard or just just didn't dig (laughs) it, we're writing this for you. That basically you can come in from the end of having watched season seven of, you know, uh, of next gen and maybe the first two movies. And there you go. And then this is your movie. You this is it basically springs off directly off of that and you may you know wonder who's this Rafi chick but you know you're, you're definitely not going to need to know anything about it and they you know it's goofy they ignore so much stuff uh from previous seasons uh in in the zaniest way it it just feels like there must be a revolving door in that writer's room i don't know but uh but i no,
1: I, I, think, I just i, think it's I, I dug the hell
3: I mean, out of this like, thing man
1: yeah well I
3: guess, yeah. before we run out of time i just want to say the scene where. Geordi uh, meets Data 2.0, and they have that, that little moment. It, it's so reminiscent to me of Spock on the bridge of the Klingon ship with Star Trek 5. It's a perfect Star Trek moment for me. But before we run out of time, I want to talk about Jack, because this whole thing evolves around Jack, and we only have 13 minutes left. What do you guys think about Jack and the red, the red eyes and controlling people? That, that he's been demonstrating. What do you think the deal is with that? Is he a parry? Well, what's what's the deal? How is You he want, doing you that? want what is... theories?
2: Well, so, well, I, I mean, so, first of all, let's just acknowledge that this actor is freaking knocking it out of the park every single time he does something. Uh, I'll also say that, um, so, Jack the character believes at first in this episode that Vadic wants to take him back to the Great Link. And so there's definitely... I, I like that because I feel like there's a misunderstanding of the fact that these changelings are slightly different from the changelings that we've seen in the past. We also know that Jack feels like he's always been different. We also know that uh, like there are some great, I don't know, to me, there's there's definitely at least one telegraphing line here that that is consistent with a theory that Jim has put forth on the podcast before where Jack says there's really no point in resisting that sounds very familiar to me. Um, mm-hmm. But I I think for many, many, many weeks, I've I've kind of believed there was some sort of power connection. And I, I don't think that my opinion on that has actually changed. Um, at the very end of the episode here where we get Deanna holding hands with Jack and they, they sort of go into his mind and, you know, explore the red door a little bit and, um, we definitely get some, some, some context. I mean, Deanna says that she feels something that is like, what does she say? She says it's ancient and um, um, feels like it's been there forever. Um,
5: an ancient darkness,
2: I think she says, right? Yeah, that's what it is. I was just trying to look through my notes to try and find it. Yeah, an ancient darkness. Um, and and you know, to me, the, remember that the the Pal race are like the antithesis of the the prophets from the the wormhole, right? So they're they are also just as old. They are also just as nonlinear time wise as the prophets are, and they are able to possess people. I mean, we've talked about this on previous episodes. I I really feel like the red the red eyes and the whole idea of controlling somebody else who is not you is very pa y But it's very clear also that there are some super borg connections here. So I'm I'm completely like confused right now because I feel like we're talking changelings, we're talking pa race, we're talking borg. How does it all connect? Um, it's very interesting to me because I haven't figured it out but I know it's all. And right. there's
5: another possibility ah. as well. Ooh, tell me. Uh, okay. And this is a possibility I'm rooting for. My, oh, yeah. my hope is that it's something new that we just haven't there seen before. That it's not another trip to the back of the sock drawer, right? And there's a, where it's just like canon be damned. And this is, they've actually ri- gasp. The writers came up with something new and added something new to the Star Trek mythology by inventing a new thing. I think that would be a delightful surprise. And if it was like, cool. All right. That would be really great. And then it's like no, nothing that anyone, everything else is like red herrings. Right. And then we learn about what really was going on. Like when we've burned about the board for the first time or learned about anything for the first time, it's like, oh, my goodness, how interesting. Tell me more. And then it paves the way to, you know, future appearances and other stories.
1: That's so what I all, <laughs> on a scale of
3: one to ten. Our fans gave it a nine point one. Where do you fall?
5: um 9 absolutely 9 um and you know it's and and every single moment with Brent Spiner would be like a 15 <laughs>
1: so
5: <laughs> i just i was i was just you know and and uh, and LeVar as well i mean just uh, those those that's those those it's a it's a you know yin and yang thing with those two it's just remarkable but uh it, you know it's just i, I kind of save 10s for like masterpiece level you know maybe we'll get one tonight or next week, you know. So, I mean, uh, the fact that it's a nine and not a ten in no way is disservicing uh, anything, just because I kind of feel like the writing and the pacing and just the storytelling on this was just much – the Pistons were firing a lot tighter in this episode all around, right? Um, uh, Really, really enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, I was just delighted and can't wait for more.
3: Well, we've got to be careful on social media because Paramount Plus Played episode 9, which is on tonight, and episode 10, which is on next Thursday, back-to-back as a movie in IMAX theaters in 10 lucky cities across the United States, which was nowhere near me, so I didn't get to see it. So there are fans out there that have already seen the last two episodes, and be careful, because they're out there spoiling everything for everybody. So you've been warned. Be careful when you're on Facebook, because people will love to ruin it for you.
1: Yeah, you have
5: you have a a, Facebook less so I I think in some ways. Fortunately, most moderators are pretty good about stuff. But Twitter, stay the hell off Twitter entirely. Um, fortunately, I some some good gatekeepers are kind of helping you know warn folks off. But uh, I know I don't know what it is, but I know there's some big ones about today's episode that people seem very worked up about. So yeah, stay off Twitter would be my advice for sure. Very careful. David,
3: how about you? 9.1 for the fans. What about you?
0: Ooh. um, Yeah, I'm giving this one a pretty high score. Um, I don't think I'm going to give it a 10, per se. I was a little disappointed that, um, I mean, I kind of agree with everything everything that you guys have been talking about, like, you know, data returning and everything. But I was hoping that actually lore and data would have survived rather than just data. But, like, you guys mentioned that they're probably all just connected at one. Um, <laughs> the thing is, is, though, to me, I I, I don't know. The things that kind of made it not so much high score for me was it is dragging on. I do agree with some of the fans. The cliffhangers, especially, like, last week's episode... Well, not last week, but the week before last week, you know, they just had cliffhangers after cliffhangers. And it was just like, okay, so there's only two episodes left. It really sounds like it's going <laughs> to really uh, go by really fast if they don't come up with something new. But I'm hoping something new is behind the red door. And I'm actually hoping it is a Power but I'm also hoping it's BCJ472 or the Tribbles Returns. I don't know. I mean... <laughs> 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 Dude, the thing, though... The thing for me, though, for, for this episode, it was just like... It, it, it does seem like it's going by really slow. They could have put in a lot more to me for me in my experience. I, I don't know. It just seems like it's going by really slow. I'm hoping this episode tonight will be very different. Um, yeah, I, I I'm actually gonna be giving this episode a nine point five just because I'm a little disappointed with how slow pace it seems. But everything else is great. I, I, I like I like everything. I like the conversation between all the the legendary characters when they're in prison at the table um, you know, this throughout the whole episode and the like what uh, Paul mentioned, you know, Geordie sold it when we all thought data was gonna go away. You know, it was just the acting is, I think, probably the best episode of this season that the acting probably sold for me. So, that's, okay, I'll give it a 9.7. How about that?
1: <laughs>
0: All right. <laughs>
6: All
3: right, Charles, what about you?
6: Okay, well, thanks to our friend Nate, uh, the IMAX is next week, not this week. So whoever's spoiling it just got us a view of the last two episodes. Ah, uh, this episode. I looked at it and then had to go up all the way to the end credits. Like, okay, I got to see the end credits. Who directed this thing? It's like, was this another two take breaks? And looked at it and it's like, it's not. Wow, this, this one felt like a two-takes break episode. We talk about the cliffhangers. Well, we didn't have Riker last week. We didn't have Riker the week before, so we could tie the story even better the following week. They like stretching those ones where it's like, okay, there's a cliffhanger, but we're not going to give it to you next week. We're going to wait for the week after and keep you hungry for these. And I think they're really doing a good job of keeping us going and doing it. And as Eric said, there's that one line that still gives me the hint that Borg is somehow involved. But it's going to be a definite we'll see on it. Uh, Surprisingly, I put my score down on my paper before David mentioned his, and David copied my score down. Because I was thinking, man, 9.6, 9.7. I think I'll stick with the
0: 9.7.
3: Because I'm telepathetic. (laughs) (laughs) Telepathetic? Not
6: a 10. (laughs) Giving him just that little bit of room to make that perfection.
3: All right. Well, how about you, Eric? What do you think?
2: Oh man, there's so much to love. And then a couple of moments didn't talk about the execution of Lieutenant Tavine, who I was hoping was actually going to be part of whatever the next series was. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, um, some good stories here, no question, some fan service going on, but I don't dock it because of that. So I kind of feel like I'm with the fans. Like it's a slightly above a nine for me, uh, definitely not a 10. So, uh, Nine point one. There you go.
3: Well, I, I got to say something we've talked about before, but we didn't touch on, and that's the music. Outstanding oh. again.
4: The yeah. theme.
3: I mean, we hear the uh, classic POS uh, bridge sounds at one point when Vatic is executing Cavine. We hear the old bridge sound. We hear a lot of music, uh, familiar theme songs throughout. I mean, they really knocked it out of the park with the music. In this well, one...
6: Jim, what about and, the horns? Yep. Just the timing of the horns in a couple of themes. There a,
3: the scene where Vatic, think back to when Vatic first <laughs> makes her appearance, she lights the cigarette, and they're showing the reflection in the dome of the Titan. Does anybody remember the music that was being played at that particular point? It was First Contact, the board theme from First Contact. Um, so I loved it Loved the music I think they're doing a spectacular Spectacular job With the music um, The episode itself I'm, I'm really a little bit I said this before I'm going to say it again real quick I, I really wish that they weren't so slavish To their 45 to 50 minute Time frame Because a lot of fans have mentioned Oh a cliffhanger Oh it's moving too slow You know if they just put like say five more minutes into each episode and wrapped up some of this stuff I think they could make it more cohesive instead of cutting it exactly at 48 minutes Um, is that a bad thing I don't know but it's just something I've noticed Game of Thrones doesn't do that The Last of Us doesn't do that a lot of the more popular streaming shows don't do that but for some reason Paramount thinks they just have to cut it at that time frame don't know why but all that being said, the death of Tavine, uh, I kind of was hoping we'd see her again. Uh, the death of Attic was awesome. Seeing Tashi Ar was awesome. Spot was great. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be right there with the fans. I'm gonna go with a 9.5 for me overall. So overall, Charles fans gave it a 9.1, and what did our co-host on the podcast give it?
6: Well, we're kind of getting back to our old stream of a little bit above the fence. and we're going to match the score we hit with the first episode at a 9.4.
3: 9.4 for the host. There you have it. All right, guys, next week we're going to be talking about the episode which is on today, Vox. That'll be next week, same bat time, same bat channel. I want to say thank you so much to our buddy Ray calling in from the Bronx. Thanks for calling, Ray. I want to say thank you to Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you so much, Charles.
6: Oh, this is another fun episode to talk about. Can't wait to watch tonight.
3: Yes, it's going to be fun. And also thank you so much to David for hanging out and Trek talking with us, even though you forgot the donuts. Thank you, David.
0: That's okay. Thanks for having me. (laughs)
3: And thank you of course to Paul for hanging out and truck talking with us as well. Thank you so much, Paul.
5: A pleasure, man. I'm off to the television.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and of course, thank you to Eric for hanging out and truck talking with us as well. Thank you so much, Eric.
2: Uh, you better believe it. I've got some friends coming over, but after that, I will be watching the next episode, so I have a feeling I will be up late tonight.
3: <laughs>
0: awesome.
2: uh, all
3: right. And I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. Saying thank you so much. Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe it. Hailing frequencies are closed. Everybody, please stay safe and be good to each other. Good night, everybody.
6: Hey, all live
0: long and prosper. Good night.
5: Cheers, amigos. Let's see what's out there.
3: Engage.